Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to The Game on Sunday podcast. Michael Lester here with you. Uh, glad you could join us. And as usual, I'm joined by Tomas Wakai and by Martin Carney. And we're going to look again, as we do at this time of the year, forward and backwards, I suppose, to the games last weekend, which was mostly Allianz Football League. And of course, the hurling is coming up next weekend. Uh, and and other big games as well in football. So um, let's kind of um, reflect, first of all, Martin Carney, on what happened last weekend. Um, a lot of interesting matches, of course. Um, now, I suppose from my own personal point of view, I was watching the Galway-Tyrone match, which was up in Oma, and uh, Galway squeaked out a, a victory out of that one. Um, wasn't a great game of football, Martin. Uh, but, no. But having said no, that, Galway won, you know. Galway won, Michael, and deservedly so. No, I'd agree with you, it wasn't a great game of football. But I think Galway were afforded the ultimate accolade afterwards for, uh, by Brian Doher, the Tyrone manager, when he said that simply Galway wanted it more than Tyrone. Now, for that to happen up in Oma, for a Galway team or any visiting team to be seen to want the game and to be more aggressive and to be more kind of up for it than the home team, that's most unusual. And, you know, Galway have quite a number of injuries at the moment, Michael. I think as many as 10 or 11 players are out, 14ers are out. Yes. Certainly I, in the I, forward. I think, you Ma- know. I think Martin Galway were listening to this podcast two or three weeks ago when you cut them to pieces and said they had no open. They no lay road there. Well, I think fallen Michael being Galway men, maybe, maybe they're spies. But anyway, no. If what, I, if what impressed me about Galway, they played fairly direct in the early in, in the early couple of minutes, and Rob Finnerty actually got two wonderful points, I think, from play. Uh, you know, it's lovely to see a high ball going in, a guy outfielding his his marker and kicking it over the bar. 
No, he may have kind of quietened down after that. But I thought Matthew Tierney and uh, Johnny Heaney in particular really uh, impressed uh, throughout the game. And then, you know, uh, young Sweeney, when he um, got the goal at the vital stage, but in many respects, Sean Kelly coming on, I think, after about maybe 49, maybe for the last 20 minutes or so, I thought he made a huge difference with his running power. But uh, Brian Duhur will be concerned at the lack of fight and the lack of application with um, his team at, uh, at the weekend. And like on Saturday, I think they're playing uh, Mayo in Oma again. And he'd need to get a hell of a side more out of his starting 15 next weekend than was the case. Because like 12 points was a poor return for them. And um, defensively, I thought again, the way that Galway got through for the goal was own like to be honest about it. And Galway deservedly got the two points and they'd be looking to probably get about seven to ju- just keep themselves safe in the, in the, um, in the league. And certainly they went a good, a good way down the road the last day of getting those two. Interesting. You should mention the Tyrone Mayo match, which is coming up at the weekend, of course. Um, that's a, that's a real, that's a real swinger of a, of a match because win it, you're in, happy place, lose it, and you're in a bit of bother. Well, this is the thing, Michael. I think as, as we stand at the moment, like, Toronto are in two points. Like, I mean, they will want to win this home game. And it, it may or comfortable enough in that, okay, they're on yeah. four. Now, if they win this, as you say, they have six, and they're they're in a good place, basically. And likewise, if Toronto lose, they're, they're in a bit of trouble. Uh, I know at the moment Monaghan and Roscommon are below them, but Mayo will be quite confident about uh, going to Throne at the weekend. Like it, their visit it, to Killarney last weekend, I thought, and they were most unlucky not to get a draw out of the game. And, you know, there was something very similar to the very last play of that game at the weekend against Kerry, as there was the previous weekend against Dublin, insofar as Mayo had a free kick out on the right hand side. Against Dublin, um, as far as I can recall, Ryan O'Donoghue found um, Fergal Boland who got a point. The last day, uh, uh, Rory Brickington made a mark, needed to play the game short, needed to hold on to possession, went for the score, handed the, handed the possession back to Kerry. And of course, the inevitable happened. David Clifford got on the end of the move and shot a very, very good point, a very good winning point at that. But Mayo, nonetheless, I thought, played well throughout and they will go up to uh, Toronto at the weekend in a very confident mood. One team that we, one county we have to mention here in terms of the this league process so far, uh, because there was so much about this going into it. I'm talking about Derry. I'm talking about Mickey Hart. Uh, a lot of, I suppose, controversy, debate, whatever you want to call it. But stats are stats. Derry are top of Division 1. Three out of three, the Kenna yeah. Cup winners, you know, now that doesn't necessarily mean everything come next June or July, but uh, but you, you you would have to say, Martin, Mickey Hart clearly has been making an impact. Yeah, I think this is his eighth win in a row, like if you, if, you, if you factor in the actual McKenna Cup games as well. And like they're playing with huge confidence and they're playing with a full squad or a full, you know, they're recognized starting 15 every weekend. Like what I mean by that 
is that, you know, the, the likes of Conor Glass, who I thought might have got a break after, the, you know, Waddy Graham's All-Ireland uh, final win. He has played every game. Two of his colleagues equally have played in all of the games so far. But, like, throughout the field, like, um, like they're just playing with a, a lot of confidence. And there's no doubt about it. They, they, they shall we say, the clamour, the, 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 the venom that that came from a number of quarters when Mickey Hart was appointed Derry manager, that has abated somewhat now, Michael. And there's mm-hmm. no doubt about it, winning winning covers up everything and winning actually kind of, shall we say, sets the agenda. And the fact that they're winning regularly now is actually kind of, I, I think he's winning the... <laughs> He's winning the, the the Derby public over to him. And OK, next weekend, they're away to uh, Galway and Salt Hill. Win that one, Michael, and they're, they're, they're basically in the... Uh, uh, you know, they're on the road to uh, probably the National League final. But they're, they're going well at the moment, playing confident football, and the Mickey Hart's mark, so to speak, is all over the team. I have, I have to say, so far, and we're still talking early days, but uh, I suppose I'm not surprised to know Mickey. You know, this is I great. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, but of all of all the appointees this year, uh, Michael, he's the one. He's the one that most pressure was on. I know Jim McGuinness was coming back for the second time with Donegal, and you know he was coming back to his native county and all of that. But Mickey was going in, it, it was like a Liverpool manager going to manage Manchester United. It doesn't happen. And for a Tyrone man to go in and manage Derry, that's stuck in the craw of an awful lot of Derry people. But as I said, he has developed the winning habit. Players seem to be playing for him and enjoying, the, shall we say, his approach to the game. And he's certainly, like they have a difficult championship, uh, Michael, ahead of them. Very difficult championship. I think they play in the first round. They play uh, Donegal. They're on the same side of the draw again yeah. as Tyrone, as Tyrone, uh, Monaghan uh, uh, and Monaghan. And it's going to be, a, you know, even if he beats Donegal, then I think, then the fun would really start because it's quite likely they'll meet Tyrone in the second round. But Michael, could I just mention that? I, I, I've been talking Tyrone, I've been talking uh, Derry. But if you look at the Ulster teams in general in the National League, like there's no Ulster team in Division Four. The, the, there's one of them leading Division Three. That's down. There's four of them in the top four places in Division Two in order. That's Armad, Donegal, Cavan, and Fermanagh. And again, the two teams in Division One, Derry and Tyrone. Okay, Tyrone maybe had a, a, a setback last weekend, but all of the Ulster teams are actually faring very, very well in the league so far. Yes, they are. There's no question about that. I want to have a look at Division 2 and a particular issue here. And Tomás Volcahy, I want yeah. to bring you in on this because this isn't just about um, about football or hurling or whatever. This is about a problem. I'm talking about Kildare here. Okay? The yeah. bottom of Division 2, uh, three games, no wins. That's not the particular point. The point is there was something... This has been said like in the media over the last couple of weeks. There was something wrong in Kildare. I don't know what it is, but clearly there's an issue. Yeah, but I suppose like if people are reporting if Michael, um what are they reporting? What what are they saying is the issue there? Is it lack of interest by players? Is there an issue with players in the board? Is there issues 
Um, yeah. but, it, but interesting, Tomas, sorry to go to cross, you know, but that, that, yeah. that's an interesting thing that you mentioned because there was a set to outside the dressing room last weekend uh, after the Kildare Armagh match between reporters and Glenn Ryan, who was the manager, and we've had Glenn on this podcast. We had Adam the podcast, yeah. 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 And, and there was a big issue because Glenn more or less suggested that some of his comments were misquoted. The media challenged that. I'm, I'm talking here about some of the things that Gotti Board Chairman and Kildare said and so forth. So it, I don't want to get into, like, you know, the who said what to whom kind of thing. Yeah. But, but, but it, is, it is obvious, Martin, to me that there's some issue going on. And there's some issues. There's no doubt about it. And uh, like the chairman McGorman, his his uh, what he said at the co- uh, county board meeting, it was reported by the Leinster leader. Then Ryan Delasse outside the dressing room, uh, you know, got into a set to with one of the journalists from that paper. The journalist offered him the tape of the of the particular um, uh, me- uh, meeting. Glenn refused to take it. But I think it's wider than this, Michael. If you look at if you look at Kildare in a way, like over the last uh, 10, 15 years, like Kieran McGinney managed them for seven or eight years, and Keen O'Neill, who's involved with um, is it with uh, Galway at the moment? Yeah, yeah. You had Jack O'Connor was their last manager. And now you have Glenn Ryan, but I was just looking at it, Michael, from a from a what I call the elite point of view. They have yo-yoed between Division Two and Division One since two thousand and seventeen. Like they lost the Division Two semi-final or the Division Two final to Galway in two thousand and seventeen, but got promoted. But the following year, then in Division One, they lost every single one of their games and got relegated again. And this has been going on all the time. Like they got re- they promoted in 2021, but got relegated um, in 2022. And they have been there since. And their win loss, uh, shall we say, record is it's not particularly encouraging. So what's happening at the moment in Kildare football, it, the, the, the seeds of it have been building up over the last number of years. And like, I mean, you know, even in the last year's championship, fair enough to beat Wicklow, they... I think lost narrowly to Dublin, but uh, they drew, they drew with Sligo. But I know Dublin destroyed them again later on in the championship. But they just don't seem to. From watching the game last Sunday, watching it carefully, Michael, I didn't think they were in the same parish at all as our map when it came to fitness or athleticism or movement. I didn't think their skill levels, if you look at the first goal in particular, it was as a consequence of an unforced error on the part of a Kildare player. They weren't, they didn't have the same tenacity in fighting for 50-50 balls as Irma. So there is something not, there's, you know, not kind of happening there at the moment. There's something not gelling properly. But Michael, it helps nothing. When you have a chairman, when you have a manager, all of the kind of, shall we say, the warts being exposed in public, you, this is when things are going badly, that's when you need, a, a, you know, a united face. So as to kind of, in a sense, work on the thing behind the scene rather than have all of your, shall we say, ills and all of your problems put out in the public eye, which is the case in Kildare at the moment. And the pressure it puts in Glenn Ryan is considerable and way above what it should be. And all, but as you, as we said, like there's nothing entirely new about this because um, Kildare is 
it's a big county in, in population wise. It's yeah. a great, great football county. Um, there is so much potential there. Always has been. Um, I'm going back, Martin, and you remember this to 1998, the All Ireland final. That's right. And that's you know, right. Ah, uh, the Fekers should have won that. I mean, I'm I'm glad they didn't. But, um, you know, <laughs> but seriously, you know. No, no, you're right, Michael. And it has, it's it's just, it's something, like, for example, the, the last time we got something really prominent about Kildare, it's when they kind of had their Newbridge or Nowhere thing with Mayo. I think it, yes. was it, in, yeah. it was it in 2018. That's the last time that I remember Kildare being really up there prominent. And you know something, Michael, that particular year, and Tomas, they lost the fourth round game in the championship that year to Carlo. So, I mean, there's a massive inconsistency with them. And for a team or for a county with such a big population, with so many prominent uh, 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 players and quality players, um, and even if you take the manager, the likes of Anthony Rainbow, the likes of Glenn Ryan, superb players in their time, but they're not getting the tune from the senior team that they should be. The, the, the team aren't responding to the promptings of the management and if you say in the last few years they win in All-Ireland under 21 or or under 20 or certainly contested the latter stages mm-hmm. of that so we should be seeing more from them that is the case but the bottom line I have about it Michael Glenn Ryan and Kildare's cause isn't being helped by the fact that their troubles are being aired in public at the uh, to the extent that's happening at the moment. It's not fair to anybody, and it's not going to advance the cause of Kildare football one iota. But no, but the fact, but the fact, but the fact, the fact, Martin, though, is that um, reporters are outside dressing rooms are fishing for information. Obviously, they're smelling something is not right there. They're smelling there's issues and. Um, Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Like, why aren't they being addressed in terms of, like, you, you mentioned the team wasn't, it's not fit, it doesn't seem to be fit, training-wise and stuff like that. Is is that an issue? Is it players versus management, do you think? Or is this players being be. bored? Or... It could well be. We've seen, like we've seen over the years, those type of issues happening in different counties. You take even down here in Mayo, you had the famous issue a number of years ago. Go back to ninety in, into the nineteen nineties when I remember there was a revolt against uh, Brian McDonnell 
who was the then manager by an, uh, by the team and by McDonald, uh, I had to step aside. You had the situation a number of years back with the with some of the current players that when Pat Holmes and, and uh, Noel Kennelly were manager, and incidentally at the time, Mike Kennelly, Noel's brother, was chairman. But the players, uh, in a sense, they had some issue with the, with management there, had a meeting and asked for their, their, their removal, and this happened. But it creates, uh, honestly, I've seen it myself with my two eyes, uh, uh, Tomas, how the, the hurt that, that this leaves for a lifetime afterwards. Absolutely, I, I I agree with you. Look, and Martin, I I, co- I go back to the strikes that happened here in Cork over the years as well, and and I and I still know for a fact there's people in my club will never go see a Cork match live again because oh, of what happened. Oh, yeah, yes. still there, and that's and many it, many years ago. Yeah, will not go it, to Cork again. Again, I know people in Mayo who will not go to Mayo play, uh, Mayo games as long as some of the guys who were involved in that push are still playing the game. And it's so sad because every one of them are interested in the furtherance of Mayo football. But whatever slash happens or whatever breakdown in communication uh, happened, uh, no one will ever know the real truth of it. It just has created, it, 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 you know, it created a huge kind of problem at the time. But as you said, Tomas, this lasts a lifetime. It's just something yeah, that... Yeah, well, some, it sometimes, just, you, sometimes it does, Tomas. But um, yeah. I, I'm kind of half half smiling to myself about, about what you've been saying, Martin and, and Tomas, and it's true about the passion of GEA fans and, and being disappointed in results and whatever. Yeah. It it takes me back to 19, Martin, 1983, <laughs> when Galway lost the All-Ireland final to Dublin. By the way, I'm not I'm not bitter about any results, but Dublin did not win the match. I am, Michael, because I lost my first hurling final to Kenny that year as well, Michael. <laughs> I remember Carlos, my my father, uh, a passionate GA man, played a bit for Galway himself, in fact, um, declaring after the match he was so disgusted with Galway. And and I, I mean, I, I, you know, things happened in the match and fellas got sent off and stupid things and all that kind of stuff. But he banged the table at home and said he was never going to go to Galway match again. And that was it. And he never did, did he? Three weeks later, I think, was the first round of the league, and he was at the match <laughs> in June, wasn't he, Ray? That's good. That's really good. Like, oh, nobody well, convinced them fairly well, Michael. You're sure. Ah, yeah. uh, sure. Yeah. If you're, yeah. If you're, if yeah. you're a fan, you're a fan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, come here, lads. Before, before we move on any further, I just want to bring this in, just in case I forget it. But I just want to, to mention a couple of things. First of all, to pay our respects here on the podcast to Shane O'Hanlon of Dublin, Dublin selector, Dublin backroom man, if you like. Um, such an important part of what they achieved over the last number of years and so much, uh, as I said, a part of all that. And um, and Martin passed away there recently and a big shock, I think, to everybody in Dublin and indeed GEA. So we, yeah. we pay our respects. Very much so, Michael. I mean, he was one of these people. He was selector under Desi. He was, uh, uh, you know, a selector under Jim Gavin before that. I gather he was in Spain. He was scouting 
uh, you know, a training camp venue for the team. And he's one of those really nameless people that's in the background that does so much, so much work with every county team. Uh, you never see his name up on lights or anything, but he's the guy who's kind of looking after Kiss, who's kind of getting, key, yeah. uh, getting pitches prepared and all of that kind of thing. And you knew the sense of loss in in the tone of Desi, Desi's voice after the game the other day. He was extremely passionate. You know, he was on the verge of breaking, actually. And, um, you know, it, it it meant an awful lot. Of, it, he meant it, it, obviously Shane O'Hanlon meant an awful lot to a huge number of people, and they're struggling. They're struggling hugely to come to terms with that at the moment. And basically, uh, those kind of people who are all the time around, who are everybody's friend, who all it, make life bearable for you when you're part of a setup. You know, they're few and far between, but when you get a good one, as Shane O'Hanlon was, his loss is all the more, uh, you know, keenly felt. Yeah, and Michael, he, and I, and I could that one, yeah, like that, that you just mentioned in terms of like he being a selector with Jim Gavin and, and there with Desi and stuff like that as well. It just shows like the character of the man and the quality because, you know, when, when you finish and you've had the success that they had under Jim Gavin, normally there's a clean sweep and everybody moves on. But to bring this guy forward, obviously he have, yes. he has the respect of everybody in terms of the players. More importantly, and probably they're saying, "Yeah, we 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 want this guy on board versus again going forward." So, um, yeah, yeah uh, he's a fantastic man. Didn't know him, but what I've read about him, yeah, certainly a great guy. Well, our respects obviously to his family and to everybody in WBA. Well, I have you there, Tom. Um, it's Kip and Cup. Yeah, great competition. Yeah, it was it was interesting. Um, um, and look, a lot has been made in the Fitzgibbon Cup and the Sigerson over the last couple of weeks because there were matches that were taking place on a Wednesday night and a Thursday night and again on a Saturday. And we mentioned about Garrod O'Connor, I think, last week in terms of nine matches in 35 days. Um, this this was 10 matches within within 38 days or 39 days. But um, yeah, Jamie Wall, the manager of Mary I, he's, he's, he's a great record with the Fitzgibbon. He was very strong afterwards coming out and saying oh what a fantastic competition and it is for college students uh it's 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 up there with with with, with some of the best and at the same as the Sigerson just kind of I watched a bit of it on Saturday on TG Carland to see um the venue was Abbey Darnley and look I've I've, I've been down there with my own club in the club match and stuff but that in the middle of summer as it's, it's a fantastic venue but some of the pictures I've seen on television, Michael, I was saying if the Plowing Championships were going ahead uh, on that field last Saturday, they would have been cancelled. And uh, um, and I look, I just look for a prestigious competition. And a lot of people have said it to me. Why was it taken to Abidarni, number one? Uh, why was there no other venue around Limerick available? Um, why didn't they go to Torless? Because it is, it is a fantastic competition. But then again, I suppose, look, you've... You've you've reasons for that, and I'm sure Martin, you you were so, so saying something similar in terms of the Sigerson as well. You know, yeah, yeah. Well, I enjoy. I must say, the Sigerson final, the previous, uh, the previous, our uh, our last Wednesday um, between UCD and uh, University Ulster was a joy to watch. Now it was Elton for Lee again. I suppose you know the venues are prearranged um, earlier in the year. But nonetheless, I thought maybe an exception could have been made to actually 
uh, you know, bring the game maybe to Drogheda or to Dundalk or someplace like that, a halfway house for both sets. Uh, you, you know, that would be a, a, a much more a kind of convenient to both sets of teams. But just from a footballing point of view, in that particular game, I just thought the display of the two Canavan brothers, Rory and Darren in particular, was a joy to watch, actually, throughout the game. I mean, if there was ever a kind of a guy who's cut from the old block, it's Dara. He's so like his father in style and in temperament. And again, on the other side, it would be remiss not to mention Derek Craig's um, display for UCD. I thought like he got six or seven points from play and was most unlucky to be on a losing team. But just the quality of the game was, uh, you know, as high as you could wish to get. But again, it just kind of, it made it, it, it was a very strange one that played until he, or actually 72 uh, hours later, Mayo went and played uh, Kerry. And uh, again, you're talking about the flowing championships. I'm not casting aspersions on Tralee, but after the, you know, the conditions that played it in on the Wednesday night, uh, you know, obviously the, the pitch suffered somewhat. And, uh, but um, no, I just would want to, I'd like to just compliment the Sigerson competition and how beneficial it is to the development of players, um, it, it, certainly in a footballing sense. Yeah, look, I'm like, just in terms of the pitch in Abbey Darn, as I said, I was, I was there uh, uh, two or three years back and it was in fantastic condition. Look, it's very difficult in, in, in early February to have a club pitch right if it isn't being yeah, yeah. actively. Um, Worked over over a period of time, and a lot of a lot of machinery and plant can't get into pitches at the moment because of the weather that we've had and the rain and and all of that as well, right? So that's why I'm I'm kind of saying venue wise, it could have been better. But Jamie Wall, what a man! Um, uh, with Mary I, I mean, fantastic achievement because uh, you couldn't back UL. They were backed off the board as raging hot favourites. No, maybe bringing them to Abbey Darney didn't help UL, and it suited Mary I, but um. It was a fantastic achievement, a great win for them again, you know, and uh, oh, some great players there and some very promising uh, upcoming stars in terms of uh, Limerick and stuff of that as well, you know, with Gil Ansberger on goal and Shane O'Brien as forward, you know, so some talented individuals there. There's no question about that and, and in fairness to the people of Abbey Dorney, Abbey does place during the summertime, I have to say, really is uh, one of the best features in Ireland down there. Um that's all good in February, by the way. But anyway, um, <laughs> let's let's talk hurling, Tomas. Uh, yeah, a couple of big games coming up with the weekend, of course, both and in football as well, uh, Barton. But um, the one that jumps out, of, of course, for me is Cork and Waterford. Yeah, look, it's 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 probably a bigger one for Cork, Michael, in terms of where we're at, in terms of yeah. the defeats that we've had. And um, it's one that kind of the Cork public will, will obviously be looking at maybe team selection, but more importantly, getting a result. You know, it's uh, it's home home advantage. Uh, against the Waterford team, just this last very narrowly against Clare and kind of going through some of the, the reports all week about Waterford and the amount of players that they're missing is is, is frightening in terms of injuries. And um, we've mentioned that a couple of times in terms of that's a concern, the amount of work that's being put in and the injuries that people are picking up and the, I suppose a little time to recover. But um, I think this, this I said it last week, that Cork game match was a, a must-win game from Cork. This one has to be a win game for themselves as a team, as a management, you know, um, 
you could say we were close enough to it against Kilkenny. Great fight in the second half. But, I mean, I, I'd kind of said last week we could have been 12 points down at halftime and there would have been no return. This time around, it has to be different. Cork have got a short performance for themselves. Yeah, they're all training hard. Guys are finished with colleges. Few injuries there. You're, you're getting closer to March. You're getting closer to April when championship is just around the corner. Right. Like, and, that, and that is the big thing, really, you know? Yeah, it certainly is. And and um, and looking at Clare, for example, you know, top of the table. Um, yeah. No, okay, these things are a bit tight. Like, I mean, when, the, when you say top of the table, they're a point ahead of Kilkenny. And, you know, it's not, a, it's not exactly a victory lap, but they're up against Wexford. In Wexford the next day, so yeah, it's and it's 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 it's, it's going to be a tough match. But look, right, Lone, to be fair to the man, right, he's he's got him playing with a style. He's got him playing with a, a, a togetherness, right. He's got it. He's got the clear spirit back, right, in terms of their performance levels, the effort, the commitment, um, and you need that in national league matches. You need guys really, really committed to the cause. You know, it's not the it's not the kind of time for the fancy horror waiting for a free puck. You're going to get a tough, and you're going to get a very tough down on Wexford Park, Michael, as well. I mean, I've been down the years in National League matches at this time of the year, and I'm saying to myself, Jesus, could I ever get out of there? Or, you know, you're marketing for the like, jerk for sure, fellow like that. And there are times you've maybe said, Here you are, look, do you want the ball? Here you can have it, right? Because it could be bucketing down, it could be, it could be, and it's tough conditions. And this time of the year, it is very, very tough for Hurley as well. You know, so um, it's, look, I think, I think. Keith Rossiter with Wexford will be happy with the progress he's making. Um, Claire, uh, Brian Lowen certainly will be happy with the progress. And I think he's more happy with it in terms of he's missing three or four of the star quality players as well. But it's given other guys the opportunity and other guys are putting up their hand to stay, say we want to be part of the championship when it comes to Munster, Munster campaign in the next couple of weeks. And I suppose looking to Moss at Division 1B, um, it, it, it's almost like a two-tier uh, set up in the sense that at the top of the division you have Limerick, Tip, and Galway, yes, and and then you have now when I say then you have Galway and Dublin are on similar points, two points, and that, and then Antrim and Westmead, I suppose, not unexpectedly down the bottom. Yeah, I look that that was always going to be the case, Michael. And next weekend you've tip you've tip playing Westmead, um, tip with home advantage again. Liam Cal, I think, would be delighted the way Tip have gone. Um, Tip have been very, very strong year to date. Um, some exciting talent there. And um, as we mentioned previously, he's given a lot of youngsters their opportunity as well to stake their claim. And uh, you'd expect Tip to be beating Westmead pretty comfortably in Turles, uh in, in that one on Saturday. Um, you mentioned Antrim v Galway. Look, Antrim narrowly lost to Dublin the last time. Um, You'd be expecting Henry Shefflin will be taking a strong enough Galway team to go to Antrim and win above there. Um, I think it would be important for themselves as well just to get these matches under their belt. And if they need to pull back a little bit as championship gets closer, they can do so because they'll have the pint, the points in the bag, you know. And um, it'll be interesting to see Michal Donahue though with Dublin and against Limerick in Parnell Park as well because. Um, I think it's important. It's an important one for him. Um, just got out of jail the last time against Antrim, and uh, I think he he needs like to pull a big scalp. Uh, certainly, you know, and they were beaten by Tipperary the first day there. So, this what kind of Limerick team will, will, will they put out? They've they're probably looking at uh, championship down the road. Maybe the league might be as important to Limerick this time round. But 
you, you always find going to Pat Parnell Park is going to be a very, very different game, but you probably would expect Limerick to come out on top in that one as well. He, this will be at the weekend, game three in the divisions and in Harding. And um, it's it's kind of, you know, it's crossroads time to Moss in the sense that, you know, you win a game at the weekend, you, you look pretty good. You lose it and it's a different story. It's a different story, you see, right? And like, you t- you take you take we'd say we take for argument the court team and stuff like that. If they were to lose to get against Waterford, it put serious doubts in management's head, put serious doubts in players' head. Um, do you go again the next time and do you change do you change five or six players? Where do you be, build your consistency? Where do you be, where do you build the continuity? Where do you build the team ethos, the team spirit if you keep chopping and changing your team? Um and it's like you, you need to be winning two or three of our league matches. So that's why I'm expecting, like, you know, the Cork field and Waterford Cork to, to, to hopefully come out on top in that one. And then you have another, another fascinating one is Kenny Offley. And also, um, yeah, a, a lot of is, is, is made uh, in terms of Kenny and rebuilding and rebuilding and rebuilding. Geez, I was very impressed with them against Cork the last night. I mean, they were outstanding in the first half period. And, um, they, they kind of uh, they, they drew against Wexford in, in Olden Park, and I'm sure they they've been disappointed with that one. And now they play their their, their great rivals as well, awfully on Sunday. So uh, that's an interesting one as well. You know, so um, uh, just in terms of hurling, like some fascinating thing there. I was just reading in terms of look what's what's coming out, uh, what has already come out is in terms of the yellow slitter um, from the first of January 2024. The yellow slitter is now compulsory for minor. Right up to senior, you know, and, and um, but this this applies to club as well, and it's kind of a fascinating team in terms of you know guys that would have had stock of white slitters locked up in premises and stuff like that as well, right? They're now only can use them for training purposes for league games or for championship. It is all about the yellow slitter, and um, I kind of say, Martin, maybe we'll see a yellow football at some stage, maybe because maybe. Oh, don't worry, I saw Mr. John Prenty this year in a championship game, in the club championship game uh, before Christmas. I saw him with two yellow balls out of the boot of the car one night. There was an awful oh, thought so, in Sassel Bar. So, so <laughs> and, I want to get yellow so balls. The yellow balls have been around in football <laughs> long before you had your yellow slippers. Yeah, it's a fluorescent yellow hide-is. Uh, match litter, right? But the, the funny thing about it, Michael, is what, what I'm looking at, right? This is based on clear scientific evidence as well, right? You know, a swatch card is used to establish, you know, the level of compliance with a slitter. So I was yes. asking somebody recently that was saying, look, they supply slitters, but for them to compete with something like this would probably nearly cost them 15 or 16 euro a ball. Now, you, yes. take, you take how many slitters have been lost in training sessions, match day situations, yeah. right? I just wonder where the hell this is going to end up because that's there's going to be a massive, massive cost in this to actually be compliant. There's only three suppliers out there, CB, our, our, supplier, our suppliers, that are actually compliant on this at the moment. And um, the swatch card, I don't know. I don't have any swatch card anyway to check my balls when I bring the glen. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the way, Moss, we're 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 actually glad you don't. Thank you. No. <laughs> oh, so I don't, I don't know where it's all going to end up. Yeah, no, right, Michael, quickly. Right and right, yeah. 
Uh, if it's any consolation to to hurlers and football, they use a white ball or a yellow ball or whatever, or to get footballers. I was watching Rally Sweden round of the world rally championship uh, recently, and there was a couple of night stages in it. And needless to say, in Sweden, it's snowing heavily this time of the year, and that. And the number of drivers who were complaining at the end of stages that they had to turn their headlights off wow. because they couldn't see the corners because of the reflection of the snow and all that kind of stuff. So, you know what? It applies in every sport. You get the problems. Maybe they should get, bring it, bring it, maybe they should get a Swatch watch or something too. <laughs> yeah. Listen, lads, good to talk to you. Thank you for your time. Enjoy that. Um, let's see how the weekend goes. As I said, a lot of big matches. Uh, I'd be down in Salt Hill myself for the Galway Derry match. And um, and we'll see Enjoy how it all pans out. Enjoy it and behave yourself. I'll do my best. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 